eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, welcome to Lake Kick is Live. It is Tuesday night, January 4th, the year of our Lord 2022. had screwed up the year so far, and we're, we're like a, a tenth of the way into a month now. So, I mean, we're on a good pace. Uh, we're jam-packed tonight. I mean, we're high atop downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It's stopped snowing for the moment. We've got some more in the forecast. My sources tell me for later this week. But, look, we got a jam-packed show. Dare I say a red-hot show tonight, if I want to sound really lame. If they sold tickets to tonight's show, I really think we'd be standing room only. It's been a good day for us because, like I said on Twitter earlier, I thought, my personal opinion, we had one of the best editions of the Late Kick Extra podcast that we've done in some time earlier today. It was so good. Jesse listened to it. And so that's probably all you need to know about that. If we couple that with a good show tonight, which we plan on doing if I don't screw it up, it could be a pair of the best productions that we've done in several months. And we've been in the middle of a football season, but there's just a lot to talk about. And here's the word of the year, last year and this year, sort of a confluence of a lot of different events has transpired to just give us Red meat after red meat after red meat to toss out. And that's the kind of show we like to do, obviously. I got a Nick Saban truth pill that I just need to dole out to everyone. I'm going to take it. You're going to take it. We're all going to take it. And I don't really so much care if you want to or not. You need it. It's best for you. This is the modern-day Flintstone vitamin. It's best for you. The transfer portal on fire. What's new? Multiple angles to hit tonight. But I'm not going to do the old Caleb Williams is out at Oklahoma. Where do I think he's going to go? I can do that if you want me to, but I have some things to talk about with the transfer portal because for about the last time, I've had someone come to me and say, well, Josh, if coaches can move all over the country, why can't players? Table that, and I'll tell you why in a little while. It's not that they can't. It's that that's a very, very dumb comparison, but it hasn't been shot out of the air yet, so if no one else is going to do it, we'll shoot it out of the air tonight. The SEC East may be shifting right beneath our very feet. We will discuss, of course, Georgia from the SEC East playing in a national championship game. We're headed to Indianapolis later this week for that. And we're going to go back in time about, what, 16 or 17 years. We're going to talk about the 05 Rose Bowl, which took place New Year's Day 06. But, of course, we are not savages around here. And so we understand that we refer to the end of any season as the previous year. This is not the NBA where they split the season into two years. The 05 Rose Bowl technically happens in 06. Just like next Monday night, we're going to play the 2021 National Championship game. Uh, that is not debatable. That's just the way of the world, and you got to deal with it. At Late Kick Josh, make sure you're following Twitter and Instagram. We had a very fun day today. I, I had to put a leash on Brandon Walker and walk him around Twitter a little bit earlier. I probably am not done with that today, and a lot of you jumped in and helped, and I appreciate that. You, you just When you have casual come out in some folks, you got to expose it. See, here's the thing about casual attitude. Um... Some non-casual people can say casual things sometimes, but casual people rarely say non-casual things. So Brandon Walker's got to decide which camp he's in, and that's his business. That's not my business. But also, I want to remind you, uh, and I did to start the show, and one more thing I want to tell you is the Late Kick Extra podcast, we've gotten tremendous traction on that all year. For those unfamiliar, we release it every Tuesday morning, every Thursday morning in the podcast feed. Late Kick, search it anywhere you get your podcast. But it's only a podcast. It never appears on the YouTube channel, never appears anywhere else. And it's become really popular. And it is, it is a very high-performing product for us. So I'm on the fence right now. I need your help on this. Uh, you've shot down like three of my ideas. So here's another idea. I'm going to toss it up to you. Do whatever you want with it. 
We could put a video product on that thing anytime we wanted to. We could up the production level, not that producer Jordan doesn't already do a good job of it, but we could add bells and whistles onto it. It is my opinion that we really don't need to tinker with things that are already working at a high level, but if you want me to tinker with it, you let me know. Like, I think our music sucks, but you love the music, so we haven't gotten rid of the music. Well, I think this may be a halfway not-so-good idea, but if you like it, we'll go with it, because it is, after all, your show, and that's proof positive that I actually mean it when I say it. Uh, Nick Saban, have you ever heard of him? Yes, you have. What do you think of him? I don't know, but every single one of you have thoughts about him. Let's dive into Nick Saban tonight. Uh, there is an issue. Don't go as far as to call it a problem on this show, but there is an issue facing college football right now. We have tabbed it the Nick Saban conundrum. Uh, Nick Saban is in his 15th year at Alabama. He is about to coach in his ninth national championship game in 15 years. And I dare say that if you were on the tarmac on January 3rd, 2007, there in Tuscaloosa at the regional airport, I would venture to say if you ask those folks, the most diehard of Bama fans, best case scenario, I don't even think they would have said, oh, he'll probably make the title game at least eight or nine times in the next decade and a half. Maybe they would have gone that far. I'm just saying, certainly no one outside of Tuscaloosa would have thought that. You didn't think he'd be there for nine years, much less coaching nine title games. So what I wanted to do tonight is I wanted to open the container and pull out a little Nick Saban truth pill for you. First, I wanted to do this, though. There was a graphic floating around. I think Fox Sports College Football tweeted it out today, and it was just showing the record for every year of Nick Saban and the years he's won the title. I was kind of fascinated, always have been, by the years that Nick Saban hasn't won a title. It's a lot easier to talk about those years. It takes a lot less time to talk about the years they didn't win a title. It doesn't take long, the 07 season notwithstanding. So since 08, uh, they played in the SEC title game in 08. That was his second year there. They run up against Tebow and Urban Meyer, Percy Harvin, all those guys. And so they lose in Atlanta. Uh, Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer, those guys go on to win the national championship. The 2010 team, it was his worst performing team since he's been there. They lose to Cam Newton, but they lost a couple of games. So that 2010 team is the only outlier. Listen to this insanity. 2010 is quite a while ago. Since then, the only times they haven't played for a title, 2013, that was the kick six game. 2014, they're in the playoff, and they run up against Ohio State, Zeke Elliott and the guys. They ended up winning the title that year. And then the next year, they didn't play for it. In fact, the only year that they haven't played for the title since 2014 is 2019. There was this guy by the name of Joe Burrow who came through Baton Rouge. And that LSU team, historic team, Bama played him to within one possession in Tuscaloosa. That is it. That's the entirety of the list. Those are the years in which they haven't played for a title. So I was looking at that earlier today, and I said, hold on a second, because I'm looking at the win totals for any given year. And I said... I think I just, yep, I just came up with a great stat. Here's the stat. I tweeted it out earlier today. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it, I think we have a screenshot of it. Listen to this insanity. Nick Saban, since 2008, has averaged 12.5 wins, which is noteworthy because you're only guaranteed to play 12 games a year. You only have 12 on the schedule that you're guaranteed. They have won more games on average per year then are on their regular season schedule to begin with. Obviously, that means ton of conference title game appearances, ton of semifinal appearances, ton of national championship appearances. And so I float that out there today. That's an insane stat. And anyone of sound mind understands how otherworldly that is. I had one guy, one guy come at me and say, well, yeah, but they play an FCS opponent every year. I just had to, you know what I did? I took it. This will work on podcast two. And I did what you should do with foolishness like that. And we took care of it. We took the trash out. Uh, the, the tweeter, this is, this is a love the tweeter, hate the tweet. Uh, the tweeter, not trash. The tweet, trash. The FCS argument is a very lame argument because think about how quickly I could take care of that. I could just go schedule Akron or Miami, Ohio, not to hate on the Mac, but I could schedule a, a lowly, yeah, it sounds like I'm hating on the Mac. Okay, uh, listen. Miami, Ohio, you're just going to have to take one for the team for a second. Whether I put Mercer or Miami of Ohio on Alabama's schedule, you understand they're beating them by 45 either way, right? And it's over early third quarter at the latest. It doesn't matter. 
I know technically if Miami, Ohio played Mercer, Miami, Ohio has a better roster. They have a better caliber athlete. But if you're really trying to argue semantics with me, <laughs> Nick Saban's only averaging 12 and a half a year because he plays UT Chattanooga. Go somewhere else. Please. You don't even believe that. Go somewhere else. So I was thinking this morning as I was recording the Late Kick Extra podcast and was talking about really a lot of the talk about all forms of 37 different ways you want to change college football, some of you, not all of you. And it really brought me back to what we talked about back in the summer. And it's just added a new layer onto it now. In college football, we have had for a while what I call the Nick Saban conundrum. And that is a whole lot of people thinking that instead of just waiting Nick Saban out, we've got to blow up the entire sport to circumvent the chokehold he has on it. Nick Saban will not be around forever. Believe it or not, eventually he will retire. Nick Saban right now is, and always will be, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest we have ever seen do it. So someone comes along and proves otherwise, he is the greatest to have ever done it. A lot of people think they're searching for competitive balance, and it's here already, is my point. So you got Nick Saban, the greatest of all time, in the midst of the greatest dynasty not only college football's ever seen, but one of the best sports has ever seen. And you got Nick Saban doing what he's doing, and you got a lot of measures being put on the table to counter Nick Saban. And you got a lot of folks out there proposing a lot of different things, expanding the playoff, you get an NIL proposal here, a transfer portal proposal there. And it's really all rooted in competitive balance. People want more competitive balance in the sport. But what I have come to realize is it's already there. This would be like for you youpers up there in Michigan, uh, for anyone up in that portion of the country. When you look at Lake Superior in February, normally you see a whole lot of ice. Now it'd be pretty stupid for you to walk to the shoreline and say, we need more water in Lake Superior. We gotta get some more water in this lake. The water's there. Like you know as well as I do, the water's there. It's below a very thick layer of ice, which is also water as it turns out, but it's there. So you got one of two options. You can either wait for the water to thaw, or you can wait for the ice to thaw. Actually, Colin, I'm gonna cut this, I'm gonna say it again. You got one of two options at that point. You can either wait for the ice to thaw, and there's your water, voila, or you can not be patient, and you can take dynamite to the ice. Problem being, it's still way below freezing, so that stuff's just gonna refreeze again. Uh, college football, the general public, has chosen option B. They're not waiting Nick Saban out because Nick Saban has come along in the worst possible era in our society for him to come along in. He has come along in the on-demand era. No one buys a TV guide anymore and waits to Thursday night at 7.30 for their favorite show to come on. You just watch it whenever you want to. You have everything whenever you want to. Now, that's a great thing. The bad news is you think that's the way everything's supposed to operate now. So no one wants to wait for Nick Saban to retire because the bottom line is Outside of Alabama, outside of Nick Saban, no one else is dominating. Everyone says Alabama and the big boys. There is no Alabama and. It's just Alabama, period, at the end of the sentence. Who else is even remotely in the same galaxy as them? Nobody. Are you telling me Clemson is? Clemson just played in the Cheez-It Bowl. And I'm not knocking Clemson because they have been next to Alabama, the most dominant program. But think about how relative that is. If I were to do nothing more about this sport, no transfer portal, no NIL, no expanded playoffs, I just take that guy out of Tuscaloosa and replace him with an average to above average coach. Who else is dominating? Like who else do you have to redesign this entire sport to circumvent? It's already there, guys. The competitive balance in college football is already there. The only thing masking it, the only layer of ice atop that lake is the greatest of all time. And no one wants to wait it out. No one's willing to wait. And that's my biggest concern about the future of this sport. My biggest concern is one day Nick Saban will retire. I just wonder how much of the sport will have been dynamited into oblivion for people who were, at the end of the day, just unable to cope with greatness. This is what greatness will always look like. And see, no amount of dynamite you take to the current structure will be enough to take him out. You took him off the road in the spring. You instituted a playoff. You did all sorts of different things for players to transfer out. You have, every, at every turn, People have tried to change the construct of this sport in order to really cut off the flow of success that's, that's like a raging river, been flowing into Tuscaloosa for a while. He's just gotten better. He's just taken the changes, and he's only used them to strengthen the chokehold he's had on college football. You ought to just sit around and wait. That's really what you ought to do. I don't know if it's three years or ten years. You ought to just sit around and wait. Um, I, the supermodel's already in the room. You can either get 27 plastic surgeries and try and look like her or understand eventually she's going to get bored and get up and leave. 
Uh, I don't want to be looking in the mirror after she does and say, oh, what have I done to myself? Just wait. Just wait. Uh, those two words of advice will be heeded by approximately none of you, and I understand that. But thus, or therein lies, I guess, the Nick Saban conundrum, because I just gave you the answer, and instead um, you, will, you will seek answers elsewhere, and they will fail you, and you'll come back to me, and I'll say, don't look at me. You got the 27 plastic surgeries, not me. There goes your nose. They don't have plastic surgeons at Academy Sports and Outdoors, but they do have everything else you need. Um, actually, they, they don't quite, because now some of you have taken to filling my inbox with jokes. I get that they're jokes, but a lot of you have taken to filling my inbox saying, hey, I went to pick up my meds, and Academy Sports and Outdoors did not have them. So maybe a bit of false advertising by yours truly on the show as of late. I have said Academy Sports and Outdoors is your one-stop shop for life. Uh, literally everything in your life. Now, as you know, I'm really speaking in the first person. I live an entirely minimalist lifestyle. Same cup on the set, same shirt on my back, uh, same everything. Same I, Josh, same everything. So really, Academy does have everything I need. Uh, I'm like Jeff Spicoli. I only need a few things in life, and not necessarily the same things he needed, but just a few things in life will get me by. If you don't know the reference, look it up. Uh, but Academy Outside of that, I'm going to lower the number to a 90th percentile. They have everything you need. And I know good and well a lot of you are freezing right now. So suck it up. Go ahead, buy some warm weather gear. Just do it at Academy. They got everything from hand warmers there to insignia of your favorite team scribed all over varying forms of sweaters and coats and jackets. Got some great shoe selections at Academy Sports and Outdoors. You want to buy a new tent? You want to tailgate for the game Monday night? Be my guest. A lot of you are going to be in Indianapolis. I've looked at the forecast. It's not welcoming. They got the Marriott all decked out in Indianapolis. But man, the, uh, the weather forecast, they can't do a whole lot about. So Academy Sports and Outdoors or alternate selection here, academy.com, if you can't get to an Academy Sports and Outdoors in person. That is your one-stop shop, I'm still going to say, for 90, at least 90% of your life. I made the mistake of leaving the door open, and now I can hear everyone rolling around in the control room. That's probably on me. All right, well, let me take the smile off my face. It's time to take a turn towards serious town. Uh, the transfer portal is, um, well, it's on fire still. They closed the door on me, jerks. I needed air circulation in here. Um, so let's talk about the transfer portal. Leave it closed, that's fine. Caleb Williams, star quarterback from Oklahoma, enters the transfer portal last night, and woo, 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 everybody freaks out. Now Mario Williams, star wide receiver, he's in the transfer portal, and it's sort of Oprah just tossing out Trips to the transfer portal. You get one, you get one, everyone gets one. Uh, by the way, I didn't have our guys make this graphic, but this will probably be a fun graphic for us as we enter spring and then exit spring. Can you imagine when Texas and Oklahoma play each other next year, how different the rosters will look than they did in Dallas this time last year? There will probably be no greater example in, a, in an annual matchup of roster turnover over a 12-month period than the Red River Shootout. Because, I mean, those teams won't even recognize each other. You won't even recognize a majority of those teams when they face off next uh, October, I believe it is, in Dallas. But look, we, we got to dive into an angle of this here that I, I've avoided it, but I got sucked into it this morning because I've listened to it for about the last time. And by it, I mean some of the popular slash borderline ignorant refrains from a lot of folks who claim they're for the players and they, they really aren't. I hate to expose some folks. They really aren't. They don't care all that much about the players. But I do want to point something out, and I think that there are changes coming on the transfer portal front. I don't have inside information from the NCAA, though I will be in their hometown this Friday and Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, I think some changes are coming because I have used nothing more than the common sense, limited supply, though it may be that God has equipped me with. I know we can't continue like this. I think we all know that. When you combine the way portal and also NIL is working, certainly there are checks that are going to have to be inserted into this equation. Now, you know that I sat here, if you listen to every show, and a lot of you do and I appreciate it, you know that I sat here last week, and I, well, actually, I sat in Fort Lauderdale, same show, though, and I looked you in the eye via a lens, and I said, maybe the best solution is for the adults in the room to just get out of the way and let some kids make some bad decisions and let them learn from it, and then maybe the market will correct itself. Uh, I still stand by that. However, I don't think that's how it's necessarily going to play out. So in lieu of that, 
let's entertain an alternate potential path that things could be taking. Um, the first thing, I'm saying um too much, got to stop that. The first thing that I want to point out is the crowd that is screaming free market, free market, free market. Don't you care about the free market? What about the free market? I do want to state for the record that I am a borderline free market absolutist. I'm all about the free market. Free market allows us to do this show. I'm all about it. So do not mistake my tone that I'm about to take with being anti-free market or anti-anything. And if you turn the comment section political, I will just zap every one of you. I do have that moderator power. Uh, so let's not go down that road. I would question if half of you understand what you're saying when those words free market come out of your mouth, though. It's also very humorous to me. I get a kick out of this. It is very humorous to me that the same crowd who wants to talk free market principles to me all day, every day, all of a sudden want 47 different forms of regulation when it comes to the playoff. Pick a lane. That's all I'm asking you to do. Pick a lane. Uh, it, it's almost like they don't really care so much about any kind of principle to begin with. And I've got a theory, actually. I'm gonna, it's a wild theory. I've still got to do some research on it. Still got to do some interviews and whatnot. But I have got a theory that most people who claim they're looking out for the best interest of the players, especially in our industry, most of them are full of it. I think they probably couldn't care less about the players. I think most fans and media who are yelling and waving the flag for players' rights, especially when it comes to these two points of view, are really just looking for ways to either get more competition or they're looking for ways for their specific team to get a few more wins. Now, I understand that. And if you would just say that, if you just come out and say it that way, I disagree with you, but I'd respect you a lot more. I got folks screaming about players' rights and free markets, and it's like, shh, just want to take your index finger to the lips. Shh, you don't care. Stop that. Stop pretending like you do. Look, something's going to change here. I don't know what. It's very intentionally broad right now. I don't know what's going to change. Something's got to change. And here's why I think that is. The NIL slash portal conundrum, there's that word again, it, we quite literally are in the Wild West version of this. And I don't think that's going to be allowed to continue. Now, I'm going to go back to this refrain again. Now, I'm going to bat down. I'm going to try. We'll see how good I do at it. But I'm going to bat down a couple of things right now. Something's got to give with all of this. The portal slash NIL, it won't continue down this road. It's like a chariot that's just on fire and it's rolling down the street. Someone's eventually going to put it out. There will be parameters. I fully believe we're approaching an era where some form of checks and balances and parameters are put in place far more so than what NCAA headquarters has allowed so far. The NCAA walked in and they said, hey, NIL, it's a go. Transfer portal, it's a go. Bye. They left. They just left. They, they, it's, like, it's like the uncle who comes over to your house if you have children and you got a six-year-old kid here and the uncle comes over and pumps them full of Red Bull and candy canes and then about 9.15 he says, well, see you later. And you have to deal with a kid. It's like a pinball until about 2 a.m. The NCAA is the irresponsible uncle right now. They walked in. They just, all we want to do is enough where you guys aren't making fun of us on Twitter anymore. So we'll do whatever it takes. And they did it. And then they said, see ya. And now you've got to enforce it. 24-year-old compliance director in Manhattan, Kansas, you've got to enforce it. Thanks for the leadership, guys. We appreciate it more than you could ever know. Again, I will be in Indianapolis this weekend. If anyone wants to talk, Outside of a dinner, Rezzy, I got Saturday night. I am down to talk. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, Something's going to change. So here's what I have heard. Two refrains. The first one I get thrown my way, it feels like eight days a week at this point, is what's wrong with a free market? Why don't you believe in a free market? And the second one that follows closely behind, it's very predictable at this point, is wait a second, buddy. You're telling me coaches can move around this sport freely, but players can't? I'm surprised this has gone on this long, to be frank with you, because there are a lot of smart people in the room, far smarter than me. How no one has shot this down like the wounded quail it is is beyond me. But they haven't, so it's still fluttering about. Every single day, someone's saying coaches move freely, players should be able to move freely. Well, ignoring the obvious, should be an obvious point, that players and coaches aren't equal. They're not the same remotely. I'm going to ignore that for a second for you. We're just going to push that to the side, pretend like it never came out of my mouth. I am going to... For argument's sake, and to speed the show along, let's just pretend like they are both equal entities and they both deserve the same thing. Uh, okay, give them the same thing. Because the big lie out there, I guess it's a fourth big lie in college football. We've identified three of them this year. The fourth big lie is this, that coaches move around freely whenever they want, wherever they want. No, they don't. No, they don't. That's the lie that gets propagated either by people who are unintentionally ignorant, or worse, they are intentionally intellectually deceitful in their arguments. I lean towards the latter on some of these cats. Coaches aren't moving around freely at all. Notice what I didn't say there. I didn't say coaches aren't moving around. I said they aren't moving around freely. Every single coach that you watch on TV Saturday has, well, it's a little bit thicker than this, but they've got something. Starts with a C, ends with on-tract. It's called a contract. And there's language all throughout that contract. It covers a myriad of different possibilities. And believe it or not, one of those possibilities is an exit strategy. If you want to go somewhere else, you choose to focus on the salary part. That coach is making so many millions of dollars a year. These poor victim kids over here making peanuts. I don't want to focus on that part of the argument tonight. That gets beaten to death. Let's move on from the salary for a second. Because the players are making money now too. We're all advocating for a system where players make money. We're not amateurs anymore. We're professionals, so the coaches can move. Players should be able to move. We want to treat this as an apples-to-apples comparison, I'm told. Players and coaches, they should live in the same world and operate under the same guidelines. Well, uh, do you really want that? Because when coaches move, I know it's true that you see a headline that says, so-and-so is going from Texas Tech to Kansas. I don't agree with the life decision there, but as an example, so-and-so is going from Lubbock to Lawrence. Uh, that's the end of the story for you, isn't it? Well, that's not the end of the story for the legal types. The legal types are behind the curtain over there pounding out the legal details. And those legal details include contracts because there's a penalty when you don't fulfill the terms of your contract, including the terms of your deal from year to year. You can leave. Yeah, you can leave. There's a penalty to be paid. Is Caleb Williams paying a penalty right now? For throwing up the deuces in Norman after one or two years? Or is anyone paying a penalty for that matter? They're not, are they? Well, here's the problem. That's not the free market. That's more like me walking up to you on the street, as I said on the extra pod this morning, stabbing you in the neck, taking your wallet and saying, mine now, free market, finders keepers, got it. What you gonna do? You know, he had it, I got it now, that's the free market. We can't do that. My buddy at Enron can't call me up and say, I got a hot tip for you, dude. We can't do that. That's called insider trading. It's not how the free market works. Still got a free market. Got some checks and balances in there. Right now, we're at the outset of how the transfer portal slash NIL world is going to operate. So everyone's about the free market aspect with no checks and balances aspect. Uh, But here's the problem. Those coaches live in a different world. 
contrary to what you've been told by the casuals out there, those coaches have been living in a different world. They live in a world where there is a financial penalty to be paid. If someone wants to leave Louisiana for Florida, there is a financial penalty that has to be paid. Now, it may be their future employer who pays it. I'm not going to sit here and argue semantics with you about who pays it. There is a penance paid if you do not fulfill the terms of your contract. What are we signing right now when we sign a national letter of intent? I'm being told that really all we're signing is ourselves to that university for one year. Well, what happens when someone comes along and says, wait a second, it used to be that you told me you can't force those kids to be here four years. You can't make them pay a penalty when they leave. They're just amateurs. They don't even make money. That argument's out the window. They do make money now. They will make a lot more of it. We're probably headed towards a system where these guys are paid salaries. In fact, it will probably be a little neater and cleaner when we get there. But when we're there, you're almost going to catch yourself. Because when I propose things, if I'm the college football commissioner, like you are mandatory two years or three years in. If you sign that NIL and the only way I'm letting you out is if your head coach leaves, you're going to push back and you're going to say, you can't do that student athletes. They're not students anymore. You saw to that, by the way, not me. You saw to that. They're not students anymore. They're professionals. They're just like the coaches over there. You're going to sign here and, and you're going to perform on my football field wearing my logo on your helmet. And you're going to perform on the stage that our conference's television rights deal allows you to perform on. There's a ton of investment on our end. So sure enough, you're going to help us out. We are going to benefit from you, but you're benefiting big time from us too. And so there's going to be a little exchange here. There's going to be some give and take on both sides. You want to come to the University of Washington and play? That's fine. You're not going to come in here and use us for one year and then say bye. You could do that if you're a student because we were using you. We're taking advantage of you as a student. But now you're just an athlete. You're not a student athlete. You're just an athlete. Again, the world you wanted, not the world any of us wanted, the world you wanted. What happens then? A little bit of pushback, because that's actually how free markets do work. So is there a little bit of pushback then? I think there's a lot of pushback from folks that did not think some of those, am I going to say it? Yeah. Some of those ham-fisted arguments didn't think them all the way through. You got to think them through to the logical conclusion, because see, the way this is going to move is a lot of these conference commissioners are meeting this week. That's what happens every year with the conference championship and especially the national championship week. There are a lot of folks who are going to be waiting to see if there's some news about an expanded college football playoff that comes out of those meetings. I'm waiting to see if there is word that there is going to be new legislation on the transfer portal and NIL front. Because I can promise you, even for those out there who want the playoff expanded, at least the administrative types, they understand that this is a far more pressing issue. They can afford to take that expanded playoff talk to 25 or 26. You better take care of this right now. And I think enough of them realize that. They don't need me warning them. Enough of them realize that. But I just want to caution you for everyone out there yelling about players' rights and they should be treated like the coaches and free markets. I, as usual, as usual with the arguments of a casual, I don't think you're going to enjoy the results nearly as much as you think you're going to. But again, press on. I'm just one voice over here. So Georgia's playing in the national championship next Monday night. Good for the Bulldogs. We will break that game down in full Thursday night. I'll have the preview. I'll have the game capsule. I'll show you what the model thinks. We'll have the prediction and all that. But in the meantime, I wanted to talk about the SEC East. So Georgia's representing the SEC East in the national championship game. They have been the dominant program in the East for a few years now even though they didn't win the East last year. They've still been the top program in the East for a while. Let me clearly restate my opinion on the national championship game next Monday night. I'm a believer it's a must win for Georgia. I kind of went further in depth on this the other night, but I believe it's the best team that Kirby's had. It's been the most advantageous path, so much so that they could afford to lose in Atlanta and still make it to the playoff. I certainly think, this goes hand in hand, it's been the most vulnerable Alabama has been. They're in the title game, but that's a testament to Alabama. This Alabama team doesn't measure up to some of the past great Saban teams. And I'm saying all that to say, if not now, when for Georgia? You're going to hear a lot of people say that. It's going to be a, a very old and kind of uh, a parroted refrain as the week goes on. So I'll probably lean on that less and less as the game approaches. But those were three reasons. There's one more reason that I haven't talked about on the show yet. 
I know it's perception right now that the SEC East is just Georgia's birthright and their season really starts when they get to Atlanta or when they get in the playoff. Don't assume that's always the way it's going to be. The SEC East is shifting pretty quickly. Same thing I've told you about Clemson for a while. I'm going to tell you about the SEC East. Clemson's found out in the ACC. Those programs, the Max Invest programs, they do not just sit still and let you beat on them forever. It may seem like that's happening, but South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, they're not just going to sit still forever. In fact, they already have made moves. And I would argue, whether it's in Gainesville, or whether it's in Knoxville, or whether it's in Columbia, Kentucky's already good, I would argue that there have been net upgrades found in all three of those towns over the past year. Specifically with new hires, well, they've all been new hires. They're all a year or less old new hires. But it's a different world when everyone has their crosshairs on you. That's the world that Alabama's lived in, Ohio State lives in it, Georgia lives in it. But I just want to remind you as we go into this game next Monday night, I think it is a crossroads situation for Georgia. I want you to think about this for a second. At Florida, you had Dan Mullen there. Georgia fans are being honest when they tell you they didn't want Dan Mullen fired, even though they lost to him last year. They didn't want him fired. They were very comfortable with Mullen there. Now, most of them would also be honest with you if they said when they heard Billy Napier was the hire, they weren't really concerned, and a lot of them may still not be concerned. Billy Napier and the moves he's making at Florida, they are the talk of the SEC behind the scenes. Everyone's talking about it. He has surprised a lot of people with the staff that he's started to put together. Uh, A lot of people just had their doubts. And a lot of those doubters, I mean, I've spoken to some who were doubters that have been silenced. There have been people who have changed their tune about Billy Napier just in the last month based on hires alone. They haven't seen the guy coach a game in the swamp yet. They've already had some of their fears eased by watching the staff he's put together because that was their main source of doubt about what he could walk in there and do. At South Carolina, this is the program, I think, that overcame this year relative to expectation more so than any, and there's a specific thing happening in Carolina. So the over-under was well short of a bowl appearance there uh, in win totals, and not only do they go to a bowl, they win it. They win seven games, beat Florida, beat Auburn, beat North Carolina in the bowl game. So we talked in the summer when I was laying out what the goal should be there. We just talked about putting a nice promising product on the field. That was really code for there's no way they're making a bowl game. Well, uh, they overachieved relative to everyone, including my expectation. They got that vision that you need. We talk about it all the time with new staffs. They will have no trouble now. Shane Beamer and his staff will have no trouble selling South Carolina because they've already given kids a product they can buy into and believe in. But here's the thing specifically happening there. They understand they're not going to go, they're in all likelihood, let me put it that way, They're not just going to go toe-to-toe with Alabama. They may not even be in a position right now to go toe-to-toe on the recruiting trail with Georgia. But I'll tell you what they can do. They can leverage the portal really hard. They could be the Michigan State of the SEC, and they already showed the propensity and capability to do it with Austin Stogner and Spencer Rattler. And as I told someone earlier today, we've gotten used to the hierarchy and the way things set up in traditional recruiting. The folks who dominate in recruiting don't always have to look the same as the folks who dominate the transfer portal. That's the formula at Carolina. You never want to build a Christmas tree out of ornaments. You never want to make the transfer portal your core strategy. But at Carolina, they need to own their state. Uh, They need to be supreme developers of talent and evaluators of talent. But then they need to leverage that portal as hard as any program in the SEC does. Because they can be a contender if they do that the right way. They've already got full culture cohesion there, so important. They're like the East version of Arkansas, but they need that right balance. And early returns are very good there. And then at Tennessee, I thought what Josh Heupel did in year one at Tennessee was pretty staggering offensively. Uh, Remember in the spring, like people don't remember this now, the roster turnover they had was beyond insane. Uh, People were ready to... Look at Tennessee as nothing more than a limp body midway through the season. They finished strong. They won the bowl game. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I heard Paul Feinbaum talk about this the other day. I agree with him. I would not hesitate to define that game as a win for the Tennessee program. I absolutely believe in that because they won the game. 
it wasn't like a bad call happened with six minutes to go. Uh, they, they actually, I think they won the game. So uh, be that as it may. You know, you can't go that far because Purdue still would have had a possession. I remember now thinking that. Anyway, they did get screwed in the bowl game. But moving forward, what they showed the ability to do offensively, just with the parts that were already there in year one, makes me very excited for what they can do in the coming years. And notice that all three of these programs, whether it's Napier at Florida, whether it's Shane Beamer and that entire culture there at South Carolina, or, or especially whether it's guys like Josh Heupel, man, especially Florida and Tennessee, those are established high-level football mind guys. Uh, those are not guys you look forward to facing. When Pruitt was at Tennessee, think what you want about Pruitt. Georgia was never worried about facing him. Georgia folks never worried about facing Mullen either. They knew he wouldn't have the uh, horses to run with him. I think there's some good things going on in the East right now. I don't always think this competitive balance is just going to be out of whack the way we've come accustomed to seeing it. Now, I will say this. I'm not going crazy here. Yes, Georgia, for the foreseeable future, will still be the favorite in that division, as they should be. Uh, yes, they will go into your normal Saturday as a favorite. It's not any one team that's going to all of a sudden take them down and slay the dragon. It's cumulative. It's a cumulative effect. It's just understanding that instead of having three touchdowns worth of wiggle room on a given Saturday, maybe it's 11 and a half points worth of wiggle room. It means that you can't afford to bring your B minus game into some of these contests anymore. And so it's just, I think for so many reasons, but this among them, the difference in the future of this program, the, the Georgia program, the difference in the future of the Georgia program based on the result this coming Monday night could not be any more stark. It's a crossroads moment. It is the 2012 SEC championship game for Mark Rick. That's the equivalent for Kirby Smart. I know you assume they'll be there half a dozen more times. No matter, like I said the other night, no matter to what level you invest and recruit, this sport gives you a finite amount of opportunities. Nick Saban's the exception. There are no more Nick Sabans. Outside of that, you get a finite amount of reaches for the belt. And you reached once, you almost got it in 2017. Now you got another shot. You reach again, you miss it again. Someone's going to climb the ladder, give you the old shot to the pills, you fall down, and you never get back up the ladder. That's the way ladder matches always work. You know it, and I know it. That's the way ladder matches always work. Grab the belt. Take my advice. Grab the belt. Lastly, but certainly not leastly, let me take a sip of water. The voice is in a very fragile position right now. I think we'll be good. Today I woke up and I saw that someone had tweeted out the intro to the 2005 Rose Bowl. That was the national championship between USC and Texas. That was Keith Jackson on the call. It was perfect. I mean, it's about as perfect as college football gets. I view it still today as the pinnacle of college football. I don't think this sport had ever been better and since then, I don't think it's ever been better at a moment in time than that moment. Everything you would ever want, if you wanted to package up college football, you wanted to promote one moment in time and show someone who's never watched the sport why it's so great, that's the night. And that's the game you go to. That's Vince Young with less than a minute to go, finding that corner of the end zone, and Texas beats USC in just an absolute thriller out in Pasadena. But I was not watching the whole game. Jesse apparently watched like a 30-minute special on it today. What I saw when I woke up this morning was I saw that someone, I think it was Noah Taylor, he had taken the intro on ABC. ABC carried the games back then. He had taken the intro that was just about a two-minute, 30-second, some-odd package, and he just uploaded it on Twitter. Let me tell you, that was a shock to the senses. If you haven't watched it in a while, it was a shock to the senses. It comes on, you've got, for my money, the best college football music that was ever produced, especially for a big championship game setting, and that is college football on ABC. I don't work for them, but I'm telling you, they knocked it out of the park when they composed that musical score. It's so packed with, like, urgency, and you've got clenched fists while you're listening to it, you know something big's about to happen. And then if you needed any further confirmation or validation, there's Keith Jackson narrating it who is literally the soundtrack of multiple generations, multiple childhoods, are laced with the voice of Keith Jackson. I am so blessed that I got to come along 
it was the back half of his career, but he didn't fade. This is the last big game Keith Jackson ever did. Dude was as good as ever. He knew when it was time. He didn't hang on 10 years too long, but what a night. And, and Keith Jackson's narrating that thing, and they got the college football on ABC background music. And you're just, I'm watching it this morning before I'd even put my contacts in. I was watching it and I was thinking, wow, this is what college football is supposed to be. If you want to see it, by the way, I retweeted it this morning. I think it's the first thing that you heard from me on Twitter this morning. But it was such a shock to the senses because it reminds you of what unfortunately is kind of a bygone era now. I'm not going to do the, the old man yells at clouds, good old days stuff, but uh, this kind of was it. Uh, it's not 1947 either. This is pretty recent. This is 2006, New Year's Day, 2006. Jesse was pointing out, you know what's crazy? That game was played on a Wednesday. Yes, yes, that was before we turned our sport upside down and insisted it was played on a Monday. Hey, New Year's Day, championship game if it's in the Rose Bowl. Don't care if it's Wednesday, don't care. We're playing it on New Year's Day. But this took me back. Such vivid memories, so thick you got to kind of brush them away from your face, as James Earl Jones would say in Field of Dreams. This was when college football truly was at the center of the universe for everyone associated with the sport. You didn't have a bunch of Sunday types who came in and said, all right, we're from the NFL. We cover the NFL. We're going to model this sport like the NFL. And, and you unwashed college masses, get off to the side because we're going we're gonna to professionalize your sport. That wasn't it. We weren't there yet. The music was unique to college football. The overall ambiance was unique to college football. The broadcast was unique to college football. It was so beautiful. No one cared about the opinions of casuals. No one was worried that the way we presented the sport was going to offend someone who was drive-by at best anyway. The NIL, non-existent. Portal, non-existent. The phrase meaningless bowl game had never been uttered out of a single mouth. And that game ended with one of the true iconic moments in the history of college football. Vince Young taking it to the right corner for the game-winning score. USC is on the precipice of a three-peat that night, and instead, that was the dagger to the Trojan dynasty. I think about how monumental a shift in the annals of college football that was. So not only do you end the USC dynasty, but then on a side note, it was one of the two last great moments from what I call the flashbulb era. It used to be, if you're 23 years old, you don't have much of a clue what I'm talking about, but it used to be back in the day, big moments coincided with, if you did the pan out shot, flash bulbs all over the place from cameras that weren't on a cell phone, they were just cameras. Again, I don't wanna go good old days on you, but this right here, when you looked at the crowd, it was flash bulb city. People didn't have cell phones pulled out. I mean, maybe some really, really rich folks did, but by and large, the average Joe who had spent his kid's college fund to get a ticket to the game, it's just flashbulbs. I miss that era. Uh, the other event, by the way, this event was one of the last of the flashbulb era. And then the other was WrestleMania 18. It was Rock and it was Hogan. It was in the Sky Dome. I think that was a couple of years earlier. I don't care. I could not care less if you like pro wrestling or not. If you never watch any other event, just go watch that match. I don't know how you're going to log into Peacock to do it, but find a buddy's login and go to WrestleMania 18 and watch that moment. Just Rock versus Hogan. You don't have to watch anything else. It is very, very similar to the moment where Vince Young scores and you're looking around and it's almost like it is lit up. The, you don't even need the lights on because the flash bulbs, uh, flash bolts and bulbs are lighting up the entire venue. Uh, what happened to end the flash bulb era is of course the cell phone becomes so advanced that that's what people take to events. I take mine. It's not like I'm a hypocrite. I'm not, I'm not going to Publix and buying a disposable camera before I go to games. But here's what really sucks about the cell phone era. I know what this makes me sound like, but just deal with it. What sucks about the cell phone era is, you know this is true, if you went to games prior to the cell phone era and you go to games now, you know that very rarely does the energy in a stadium consistently match what it used to be. It's not that people don't know how to yell anymore. It's that for some reason, when big things are happening, even though you're going to get a horrific shot from your seat, everyone feels the need to record video of what they're seeing. Now, I do it, but I'm on the field, specifically putting it on Instagram stories so you guys can see it. I can assure you, if I was sitting in a seat, I wouldn't be recording video because you were actually, think about what you're doing, just from a pure principle play here. 
You are sacrificing the only genuine moment that your eyeballs will see what you have paid to see so that you can have a Sketch-Aff recording of it on your eye, whatever your first name is, that's going to be far below par relative to the shot that you can go watch via replay when you get home. And also what you're not doing when you're shooting on your phone is you're not making any noise. If you are, then you're bouncing all around and the shot's bad. You don't want to sacrifice, let's not sacrifice the integrity of the shot from section 338, row 20. And so it just, it kills the vibe a little bit. And um, not really anything you can do about that, but uh, those were about 47 of the reasons why, boy, that 05 Rose Bowl. You didn't know it at the time, did you? Could very well have been the pinnacle of the sport. Now here's what's funny. As I said on the podcast earlier this morning, if I were to take someone who, let's say you're 17 years old, and I were to say, boom, we're teleporting back to 05. You would go back there, and you would be fascinated at how many people were complaining about all sorts of, diff all sorts of different things. You sit in 22, early 22 now, and you look at all the different things that there's drama about in college football, and you think to yourself, oh, if we could just go back to 05, all of this would be solved. And then you'd go land in 05, and all these folks would be bickering about the BCS, and about how it's just forever going to erode the integrity of college football, what you would have a duty to tell those folks is, please shut up and enjoy this. You have no idea what's coming. Please enjoy it. These kids are still gonna be on your campus next year. Everyone loves the sport. Every win means something. Every game means something. No one has hijacked the sport and tried to sacrifice the four or five months of regular season for the expense of a few weeks in January, please enjoy what you have right now. And so if I talk to anyone from 05, including myself, that's what I'm gonna say. Thank you so much guys for being tuned in. Uh, had a really good pair of shows today. I would strongly encourage you to go listen to the Late Kick Extra podcast this morning because we got on a little bit of a roll I didn't expect, covered some things that I didn't necessarily plan on doing for that length of time anyway. Uh, so it's good to have that back. Uh, good to have you guys here. We've got one more live show here in Nashville Thursday. Then I'm going to go up to Indianapolis. We will have a live show Sunday night in Indianapolis. We're going to predict the game this Thursday. So everything in the way of game prediction will be out of the way this Thursday. So thank you so much. Make sure you're following Twitter and Instagram at LateKickJosh. Five-star reviews for the podcast. You can give five-star reviews on Spotify now. Just a little FYI. So if you haven't done it, you haven't been able to come to the party on Spotify, you can do it now. Apple, you know the deal. So for producer Jesse, for director Colin, for our entire crew here, thank you so much. Have yourselves a great rest of your evening, and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.